Okay, so let's learn. Um, and so I'm going to run through maybe uh, questions about uh, some Yonam of the Parsha uh, and Yonam of Purim. Obviously, if Purim comes during these parashiyas, during this time of year, then obviously there's a connection between, uh, between all these Yonam. So let's run through some questions, and Bez Hashem will try to hopefully come up with some answers. So, you know, all these past weeks, already starting from Parsha's Truma, already through the end of Sefer Shemais, it's all talking about the building of the Mishkan. So we know that the order of the parashiyas is that Truma Tzitzav, the Rabbana Shalom, commands Moshe Rabbeinu, about building the Mishkan. V'yakel Bakude, Klai Yisrael carry out the building of the Mishkan. And then smack in the middle, you have the story, Parshas Kisisa, which has a few halachas regarding the Mishkan as well, but you know, the, but right in the middle, you have the story of the Chet Egel, the sin of the uh, golden calf. So the question is exactly how these things took place. So the truth is, in Chazal and Rishayim, we primarily find three shitas, pretty much all the different possibilities. And there's some shitas that hold that, uh, despite the fact that Torah puts it in this particular order, there are some shitas that hold that the the Mishkan story, the command, the building, all happened before the Egel. There are those shitas that hold the opposite, that the Mishkan, everything about the Mishkan, the command of the Mishkan, the building of the Mishkan, all happened after the Egel. And some shittas and Chazal actually hold how the Torah lays it out, which is that the command of building the Mishkan came before the Egel, then the Egel took place, and then Klai Yisrael carried out the building of the Mishkan based on the mitzvah that they received before the Egel. Now, listen, no matter what the sheet is, no matter how, how it happened chronologically, Lemaisa, the Torah Doshe, is weaving the Chet Egel in the context of Mishkan. So it's clear on, that on some level, again, whether it whether it practically happened like this, but clearly there's some connection between the building of the Mishkan, the Indian of Mishkan, and the sin of the golden calf, and rectifying the sin of the golden calf. So the question is exactly, what do those things do with each other? Okay, that's number one. Number two, we also find in the uh, beginning of, uh, of, the, of Parshas Vayakil, of this past parsha, so the Torah says that Moshe Rabbeinu gathers all Klai Yisrael together. Vayakel Moshe is called Aspen Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu gathers all of Klai Yisrael together, and he tells them two mitzvahs that uh, that the Rebbe Nishon told him to tell them. Number one, mitzvah Shabbos, Sheishes Yom Tiyasim Olocha, six days work should be done. Yom Shvi Shabbos, Shabbos and Hashem, and the seventh day is the day of Shabbos, the mitzvah Shabbos, and then. The Pasuk continues, again, Moshe Rabbeinu tells all of Klai Yisrael, this is the mitzvah, a new mitzvah that Hashem commanded me, which is the mitzvah of building the Mishkan. Now, Chazal already pointed this out, Rashi, Rashi comments on this, that most mitzvahs, obviously, Rabbeinu tells Moshe Rabbeinu about uh, tzitzis, the Mashal, and Moshe Rabbeinu then tells the Jewish people about tzitzis, but the way most mitzvahs were given over, let's see, for example, tzitzis, it wasn't, that Moshe Rabbeinu was speaking to every single year at all at the same time. There was a whole Seder of Messiah. There was a Seder, there was a process of how mitzvahs were given over. Moshe Rabbeinu would teach the mitzvah to Aaron Akayin, to his sons and so on, a smaller group. That smaller group would then teach a larger group, and so on and so forth, until eventually every single year uh, received the message from, from, uh, of the mitzvah, which originally comes from Moshe Rabbeinu. But something about these two mitzvahs, Shabbos and Mishkan, had to be done in such a way of Vayakal Moshe, where Moshe Rabbeinu is gathering all of the Jewish people together, and every single one of them has to hear it directly from Moshe Rabbeinu's mouth, face to face with Moshe Rabbeinu to receive these mitzvahs. 
And this is hinted to, Rashi already comments on this, that this is hinted to why, when Moshe Benu says, Hashem. This is the matter that the Rabbani Shalom commanded me. Why? What does it mean, this is the matter? What's being hinted to over here is that Moshe Rabbeinu was telling the Jewish people that not only is this mitzvah coming from Hashem, but the way I'm giving over this mitzvah, which is unique, in terms of being given to all of Kalah Yisrael together, this is also how Hashem told me to give over these two mitzvahs of Shabbos and Mishkan. Now this inyan of these mitzvahs requiring every single Jew receiving it directly from Moshe Rabbeinu and being in Moshe Rabbeinu's presence, and being face-to-face with Moshe Rabbeinu in order to receive these mitzvahs, you see this even at the end of, of, uh, of the story. After Moshe Rabbeinu gives over the details of the mitzvahs of Shabbos and building the Mishkan, so it says in Pasuk, The Jewish people left Moshe's presence. Uh, ask. I mean, obviously they left his presence, we're not still sitting there. So yeah, Moshe Rabbeinu tells us the mitzvah, he, he gets the point across, and everyone goes home to start doing the mitzvah. The fact that the Torah has to say, Vayetzu Moshe, they left Moshe's presence, it's telling us that there was something about these mitzvahs that required to be Lifnei Moshe, to be in front of the face of Moshe Rabbeinu. And now that they were in the face of, in the front of the Moshe Rabbeinu's face and received these mitzvahs, Moshe, now they can move from that position of being in the face of Moshe Rabbeinu. But the Torah going out of its way to mention that Pasuk of Moshe, that they left Moshe's presence, is indicating that these mitzvahs required the presence of Moshe Rabbeinu. It required the Jewish people not hearing it, you know, uh, you know, through the telephone and through uh, uh, this person hears it from him, this person to that person, even though every mitzvah was given in such a way, which clearly means that we trust that transmission. But there's something about these mitzvahs which require the face of Moshe Rabbeinu. So the question is why? That's question two. Question number three, also, uh, the Pasuk tells us, again, this is something that the Rabbani Shalom commanded Moshe Rabbeinu in Parshas Kisis already, and then in Parshas Vyakel, Moshe Rabbeinu gives it over to the Jewish people, that although everyone is going to give their donations, and the Mishkan is going to be uh, built from everyone, and everyone with talent is going to use their talents to build the Mishkan, but there's two people that are overseeing the entire Indian, and that's Betzalel, right? Betzalel ben Rav Chulamata Yehuda, Betzalel from the tribe of Yehuda, and Aliyah ben Achisamach, Aliyah, the son of Achisamach, Lamata Don from the tribe of Don. So someone from Yehuda and someone from Don. Now Chazal make a point that these were not just the two most qualified people, and it happens to be once from Yehuda and once from Dan. Not so. The, the, the Chazal say that this was on purpose, that the Mishkan had to be built by someone representing the Shevet Yehuda and someone representing Shevet Dan. Not, Chazal say not only was this true for the Mishkan, but this is true for every Beis HaMikdash as well. The first Beis HaMikdash was built with a connect again, it's you know by Shlomo Melech who's from the tribe of Yehuda, by Chiram who was from the tribe of Don, connected to the tribe of Don. Uh, the second base Hamikdash as well had a partnership between some from Yehuda and Don. Chazal even said the third base Hamikdash will be built with a partnership from Mashiach ben David who's from the tribe of Yehuda, obviously, and someone from the tribe of Don. So there's something about connecting these two shvatim, Yehuda and Don that only when these two Shvatim are connected can the Beis HaMikdash, or the Mishkan, be built properly. So that's the, uh, the third question, why Davka, what's, what's, what's this Indian of Yehud and Don, that only them together can build the Mishkan properly? Okay. Another question regarding the Mishkan. Uh, when the Torah is describing all the Kalim, all the vessels, and all the aspects of the Mishkan, 
the focus is very um, anticlimactic, I guess you can say, or not what we would hope for. See, the Mishkan is the tachlis of all creation. <laughs> the Beis HaMikdash, the Rabbani Shalom created the world for one singular purpose, for the world to be ready and able to receive His presence. The Rabbani Shalom wants to live here. The Rabbani Shalom had a desire from the very beginning. He chose to have a desire to dwell in this world. And the Mishkan is the tachlis, is the purpose of all creation. It's the deepest attachment that, that, the, that the Jewish people can have with Hashem. It's it's Tveikus, it's attachment itself. And nevertheless, when the Torah is describing the Mishkan, it describes it purely based on Cheshbainus, based on mathematics, based on uh, measurements. Every vessel is this long, this wide, this high. Everything is with Cheshbain. Now, not only is that not inspiring, because we would hope that, okay, if the Mishkan is about attachment to Hashem and Tveikus and Tachlis, then let the Tarek Daisha give a little bit more flower, let it, let it talk about a little bit in a more flowery way, in a, in a, in a way of Ahava, let it talk about Dveikas and Yiras Hashem and Avas Hashem. But no, it's all mathematics, it's all Cheshbainas. Not only is it not exciting, you know, not everyone likes math, but it's more than that. I mean, the whole Indian of Dveikas and Hashem means infinite. It means moving out of that place that's called finite, this world which is so mugbal, which is so mitzumsum, so constricted, and going into a place that's called infinite. That's what Vekas is about. All the Yitzis Mitzrayim was the Jewish people being taken out of constriction, being allowed to enter into a dimension of, of infinity. That's what Vekas is about, and the Mishkan should express that. So the problem is that every single description of the Mishkan, it's all about the finite aspect of the Mishkan. It's all about how everything is measured and everything is specific and not expansive. The Oren is exactly this amount of, of, of Tvachim, not more, not less. It's about this amount of Amis, not more, not less. The Krosham of the Mishkan are exactly, you know, this, these dimensions. It, it, not only is it not exciting, but it gives over the opposite meaning of what the Mishkan is about. The Mishkan is about believable. It's about entering into a place of infinity. And everything about the Mishkan is being described in a way of gvul, in a way of, of finity, a way of finite, in a way of specific, of, of tzimtzum, of constriction. So how do we put those things together? Okay, so those are the questions regarding the Mishkan. Now, we know, as, as in the beginning of the parasha, it indicates that there's a strong connection between Shabbos and Mishkan. Shabbos and Mishkan. We, as we know, that all the halachs of Shabbos are what, we're, what we did in order to build the Mishkan, we don't do on Shabbos. Why? Because Shabbos is Mishkan. Shabbos is Mishkan. What the Mishkan is in place, Shabbos is in time. So for a Jew to do the activities and the creative work that was necessary to build the Mishkan, on Shabbos, it's Chil Shabbos. That's a desecration of Shabbos because it's indicating as if Shabbos is not the Mishkan, as if there's no Mishkan on Shabbos, as if you have to build one on Shabbos. Shabbos is Mishkan already. And so Shabbos and Mishkan are intertwined with each other, which means, and that's again, that's why, that's why in Parshat Vayakal, the Rabbanu Shalom first gives Moshe Rabbeinu first gives over the mitzvah of Shabbos, and then from there introduces us into the Mishkan. Which means that if we're going to be able to understand what the Mishkan's about, we have to have an under, a deeper understanding of what Shabbos is. Now, using that, let's talk about Shabbos for a little bit. A couple questions regarding Shabbos. We know that on Shabbos, you know, obviously I, meant, I mentioned a second ago that, that the, most of Hilcha Shabbos are revolving around what you're not allowed to do, the Lama Tesmolachas. Everything that was done for the Mishkan, we don't do on Shabbos. But we do have a positive mitzvah, 
And that is Zacher, Siyam HaShavos Lekach, we remember the Shabbos day to keep it holy from Maser Sedivris. Now we also know that in Parshas Yisro, the Pasuk says in describing what it said in the what was said by Aser Sedivris is Zacher, Siyam HaShavos Lekach. And then in Parshas Veschanan, where Maishu Rabbeinu repeats over the Aser Sedivris, he says, Shomer, Siyam HaShavos Lekach. Zacher or Shomer, which one? So Chazal say famously, we say it Friday night in the Chadaydi, Zohar v'shamar b'dibarachar. The Rabbani Shalom said both. Two words in one, in one moment, something that the human being can't do, and the human being can't even hear such a thing. Zohar v'shamar b'dibarachar. Now, although they were said together, and obviously that means that there's a very great bond and relationship between this Indian of Zohar, the, the remembering Shabbos, the Indian of Zohar, and the Indian of Shamar, in the Kisvi we find, though, that when you compare and contrast these two levels of Zohar and Shamar, there's without a question, there's a hierarchy. Shamar, Shamar Be'etzem is Shaykh more to Friday night. Shaykh more to Friday night, which obviously Friday night is already Shabbos, but in the, in the Sormak Doshim, by the Mukubalim, by the Arizal, Friday night is seen more as a completion of the six days of the week. It's not really 100% Shabbos yet. I mean, it is halachically Shabbos, but in terms of, of the, the Devekus that the Neshama can experience, which we'll speak about soon, Friday night is really more a, the crowning of the six days of the week, whereas Shabbos day, really from Nishmas and on, that's already real Shabbos. That's already Kedusha Shabbos. That's taking us to a whole new level beyond the six days of the week. And the Rizal said, and Zohar, as Yom HaShavos Akadshai, that's more Shabbos day. So between Zohar and Shamar, the one that really hits more on the head, what the essence of Kedusha Shabbos, and specifically Shabbos day, it's Zohar, not Shamar. That's the Rizal. <clears throat> the problem is, in the davening of Shabbos day, in the Shemana Esrei of Shabbos day, you would think that in that Shemana Esrei, we would not mention the Indian of Shomer. See, we say the minig by many, not everyone, but the minig of many is to say Vishamru Friday night, right? Right before Shmanesri, between Hashkivenu and Shmanesri, you say, or what we do, <laughs> we sing Vishamru, right? So those are the two, uh, uh, so that's appropriate, okay? Because Shomer and Vishamru, that's uh, something to get to Friday night. It's, it's more the six days of the week, just the completion of the six days of the week. But Shabbos day, that's Zohar. But yet, the Shemana Eser Shabbos Day, Chazal instituted to say the words Vishamru in the Shemana Eser Shabbos Day. So the reason already asked this question, why would it be that Chazal would say Vishamru on Shabbos Day? Adar, the holiness of Shabbos Day is really Zohar. Okay, so that's the question. Alright, so let's discuss it over here for a second. Let's go into Shabbos. What, what's, what's, the, what's the difference between the Madrega of attachment that a Jew can reach during the six days of the week, versus the level of attachment to the Rabbana Shalom that a Jew can reach on Shabbos. What's the, if we had to define it, what's the definition of Kedusha Shabbos in terms of our relationship with the Rabbana Shalom? And let's understand, any time a person can reach what we're about to describe, that Shabbos stick, during the six days of the week, it's because the person is connecting to Shabbos, even during the six days of the week. But in, in Bechina, in concept, the concept of six days of the week versus the concept of Shabbos, what's the difference? So the Kisari, we find the following idea. Let me just share with you the language that Arizal says, and then, then Bez Hashem, I'll try to explain it, uh, but this is the, in the language of the Arizal. The Arizal said like this, the Arizal said that the Madrega of Dvekas, the level of attachment that a Jew can reach during the six days of the week, that that's like Mamish, the highest level, 
is what's called a relationship with Hashem that's called Achar Ba'achar, back to back. Now, we remember that when Adam and Chav were in Gan Eden, already before, you know, before the sin, in Gan Eden still, so Rabbanu Hashem created Adam, and Adam was alone, right? So Rabbanu Hashem created Chava. Now, the Gemara Kedushin, Chazal already tell us this, du partsufim baram, that the Rabbanu Hashem made Adam and Chava really two different people, these were two, they had two, two partsufim, two forms, but back to back, right? They were back to back. And so what the Rabbanu Shalom did in order to allow Adam and Chava to move from back to back to face to face, so we know that Adam is put to sleep, and the Sira, a sewing in half takes place, and now you have two separate partsufim, two separate uh, humanoid, uh, humanoid humans, two separate people, two separate forms, structures, Adam and Chava, and now they can return face to face. The reason was Megala that that process of what? Of Adam and Chava first being back to back, and then transitioning to face-to-face, that's the difference between the six days of the week and Shabbos. The six days of the week, a Jew has to develop an attachment and a relationship with God. But the height of that relationship is a relationship that's called back-to-back. Without Avaida, without work, you're not even back-to-back with God during the six days of the week. Bechlal, there's no, there's no kasher at all. But with Avaida, the level of Dvekas that a person can reach in the six days of the week is called Achar Bachar, it's called back to back. The Bechin of Shabbos, the Mile of Shabbos, Kedusha Shabbos means that on Shabbos, and as I said specifically already Shabbos day, a person is Zoycha, and their person in their Hiskashos with their Banishalam to go to a place that's called face to face. Now, this Indian of face to face versus back to back is very much connected, as I said, with the Indian of, of Zachar. Of Zachar. Uh, the reason was Megala, such a thing. We find such a thing that there are two Shemus two divine names, that are very much connected with the Indian of Shabbos. I'm not going to be able to explain why these two Shemus are connected to Shabbos, but for now, we'll just, you know, trust me. The name Yudke Vavke and the name Eke. Those are the two divine names. Now, we know there's such an idea as a name that can be spelled bemiloi. When, you, when, you, when, it's, filled, when, it's, when it's spelled in full, what does it mean in full? It means, uh, let's say, for example, yud kevavke. Instead of it being yud and a hey and a vav and a hey, which is 26, you could spell each letter in full. So yud is not just a yud. Yud is yud vav dalid. Yud, right? And hey is, uh, is hey yud. That's hey. And Vav is Vav Yud Vav. And the final He is He Yud, and so on. If you do that to Yud Ke Vav Ke, you spell each letter in full. And you do that to the name Eke, spell it in full. It equals the Gematria, the word Zachar. Okay? The word Zachar. Whereas if you take those same divine names and you spell them also in full, but in a way that's called Acharayim, in a way that's called uh, back to back, what do I mean back to back? It means that with each letter, you, you're connecting it, it's still hooked, it's still connected to the previous letter. So, for example, you know how, uh, you know, I'm sure you've seen it graffitied on walls, like na, na, nachma, nachma, mum, right? So that's called a name in a way of acharayim, where each letter is not able to move on, it's still being held back and still like bound and strapped on to the previous one. If you do that to those divine names of Eka and, and Havaya, where it's Yud, Yud K, Yud K Vav, Yud K Vav K. It's each letter is 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 in a way of acharayim. It's still 
the, it's still attached to the previous letter. It's not standing on its own in a way of face-to-face. It equals begimatra, the word tishkach, to forget. And this is a difference. Zachar means face-to-face, and that's Shabbos. And tishkach is back-to-back. That's the six days of the week, the opposite of Shabbos. Shabbos, the mitzvah, is to remember. There's an Indian of memory on Shabbos, and that's reflective of Shabbos being face-to-face. The six days of the week is missing Zohar, Zohar is Shaykh to Shabbos. The six days of the week, which is back-to-back, is Tishkach. It means forgetfulness. Now, we have to explain this yet, but this Indian of Shabbos being face-to-face is very much related to Moshe Rabbeinu also. Moshe Rabbeinu, we know, is very much connected to Shabbos. Mizmar Shir Liyam HaShabbos is Rosh HaTavis Lemaisha. Lemaisha. On Shabbos Day, specifically, which is the essence of what Shabbos is, face-to-face, the davening begins, Yismach Moshe B'manes Chalkai, that Moshe should rejoice in his portion. What's his portion? Shabbos is his portion. Chazal say that Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Matana Toiva Yeshli Beis Genozai, I have a special treasure for the Jewish people in my treasure house for Shabbos Shema, and it's called Shabbos. Leich Vinidnulahem, go and give it to them. Every mitzvah was given to us by Moshe Rabbeinu. But the Rabbanu Shalom is singling out Shabbos, that this is a gift that I want you to give them. Moshe Rabbeinu is connected to Shabbos. And therefore it's not a coincidence that Moshe Rabbeinu speaks to Hashem, how? Pel pe adabar bai, panim bepanim, face to face, face to face. Bemarvalebichidas. And this is why the Pasuk says, Zichru Torah's Maishavdi, remember the Torah of Maishar Abbeinu. Maishar Abbeinu, who is face to face, Maishar Abbeinu, who is Shabbos, is therefore connected to Zachar to remember. Because again, as I said, Zachar versus Tishkach, Zachar means to remember, Zachar means face to face. Whereas Tishkach, forgetfulness, is connected to the six days of the week, it's connected to back to back. As we said, the Mishkan is connected to Shabbos. So just as Shabbos means face to face, and Moshe Rabbeinu means face-to-face. So to the Mishkan means face-to-face. That's the essence of what the Mishkan is. What Shabbos is in time, Mishkan is in space. That's why in the, 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 the centerpiece of the Mishkan, the Pneumius of the Mishkan is what? Is the Aron HaKadosh with the Kruvim, who are facing Ish Pnei Achiv, each Kruv, each, um, each uh, little uh, uh, angel figure on top of the Aron is facing the other one. It's face-to-face. The whole Indian of Mishkan is face-to-face. That's the whole Indian of Mishkan. And so Shabbos is face-to-face, Mishkan is face-to-face, that's Moshe Rabbeinu, that's the Indian of Zohar, Zohar is Begimachi, Havaya, Eke, in a way of Ponim, as opposed to the six days of the week, which is back-to-back, which is the opposite of remembering, it's, a, it's the Gematri of those two Shemus, of Eke and Havaya, in a way of Acharayim, which equals Tishkach, the opposite of Zohar, the opposite of Shabbos. This is all from the Arizal. The question is, okay, what does this mean? Uh, this is all a Mashal. It's all a Mashal. You know, on, on this, we have to understand what the nimshal is. Everything that Rizal said was a mashal. There's nothing, there's nothing physical in Shemayim. It's all, these are ways that the Rizal, this, this is the language that he used to describe certain realities and to give us connections to certain realities. But Lamaisa, what does this mean in terms of the soul? What does it mean in Avadis Hashem? That there were other tzaddikim that came to the world to give us the nimshal. You know, I'll, I'll tell you something interesting just on the side. That Rizal died in the year Shin Lamed Gimel. Shin Lamed Gimel. Now the Rizal mentioned, uh, he hinted this once to Rechai Vital, his main student, that if the world is Zaycha, uh, for the Rizal to live till the year Shin Lamed Hay, that would hint to the Pasuk where it says in the end of uh, Parshas Vayichi, when Yaakov Vino gives a bracha to Yehuda, he says that Yehuda should be the leader, Ad Kiyavo Shiloh, until Shiloh comes. Rashi says Shiloh is a reference to Mashiach. 
And so the Rizal said, if I live to the year Shin Lamed Hay, which is the word Shiloh, then we'll be Zaycha to the Geula, and I will be able to give you not just the Mushal of the secrets of Torah, I'll give you the Nimshal too. Unfortunately, we weren't Zaycha to that, and he died in the year Shin Lamed Gimel. And so because of that, the Nimshal had to be reserved for other Tzaddikim to tell us, whether it be the Rashash, and whether it be the Baal Shem, and the Vilna Gain, and the Rumchal, all the Tzaddikim that try to give us a, a little bit of, a, of an explanation of what you know, what the Arizal was trying to give over to us, give us, other tzaddikim give us the nimshal, what's called, or, or the, or ways to sort of explain the kisveri in Avaida, give us the ability to be makash ourselves more deeply to what the Arizal is showing us. You know, that's why it's interesting, there's a letter that we have, it's attributed to the Vilna Gain. you can't say f- for sure, but, uh, you know, the Vilna Gain is one of those tzaddikim that a lot is said in his name that uh, it's hard to verify, but, but uh, there's a letter that we have Again, uh, probably from the Vilna Gain, where the Gain wrote that for some time he wasn't sure, even though Rav Chaim Vital was the one that was chosen to be, to be the one through whom the Moshal of the Kisveri was given to us, the Gain said he wasn't sure if Rav Chaim himself really understood the Nimshal. Maybe his Indian was just to give over the Moshal, but he himself maybe didn't have the Nimshal. The Gain said until he found one particular place in the Kisveri, Reb Chaim says something, and over there it was clear to him, the guy, that Reb Chaim definitely understood the nimshal, although he wasn't allowed, he wasn't given permission to give the nimshal over. Okay, so this is all the mashal, achar b'achar, panav panim. What does it mean? What's the, what does it mean? Okay, so let me, sh- let me exp- try to explain it yeah, the way Hasidus explains it, and it's not, it's not a hard thing. It means like this. What does it mean back-to-back? Back-to-back, you see, when you have two people that are back-to-back, and one person, let's say, let's say, have two people back to back. One person is holding an object, and he's describing it in great detail, in great detail, to the other person. Now, the other person is back to back, so he doesn't see what his friend is holding, but he's hearing what his friend is saying, and he's using his imagination, and and he he's hopping it in great detail, in great detail. So he might a hundred percent understand exactly what his friend is talking about. He'll understand exactly what his friend is, is trying to describe, but he doesn't know what it is in truth. He never held it. He never felt it. If you never saw a fork, and I'm describing it to you in great detail, okay, you'll hop 100%. You, maybe, you know, and, and maybe you could become the world's expert in forks. But if you never saw a fork, you don't really hop what a fork is. Acher means a phenomenon of being able to understand something with great detail, with great detail but not fully understanding what it, not fully grasping. It's not, it's not something that you've ever truly experienced. It's something that you're talking about. But fa- face-to-face is altogether different. Face-to-face is what? Face-to-face is you see the fork. Face-to-face means I know what that is. Uh, Lamashal. You could have someone who is like, um, I don't know, you could have someone who's a, you know, a, a PhD from like MIT or something, and he knows everything there is to know about growing tomatoes. He wrote doctorates about, uh, about agriculture and specifically the vitamins and minerals that are needed to, to support uh, tomato plants. He knows everything about tomato plants. But he never got his hands dirty in the dirt. He doesn't know what, what that smells like. He doesn't know. He never, he never ate a tomato. Maybe he never even saw a tomato. He just knows about the DNA of tomatoes and he knows the nutrients that a tomato plant needs. But he never saw a tomato. And then you have this other guy, you have this like old, you know, Native American farmer. 
He doesn't know anything about doctorates and doesn't know anything about DNA, but, he, but when he puts his hand in the soil and he smells it, and maybe even tastes the dirt a little bit, he can tell you this is perfect for tomatoes. Chazal say, Ein chacham There's no greater chacham than someone that experienced something. I mean, you could write about certain experiences, but if you didn't have, and you can know, you can mamish know it, know it in, in and out. But if you never experienced it, you don't really know it. That's called back-to-back. The professor of MIT is back-to-back with the experience of farming. But the old farmer is face-to-face with farming. Now, if the guy from MIT, with all of his knowledge, then rolled up his sleeves and actually bought a piece of land and became a farmer, then that's amazing. Then when the tomato plant grows, he's able to experience that tomato plant in a visceral way, face-to-face, with all the nuance and depth that he learned when he was back-to-back. And that's amazing. But these are two experiences of Acher Bacher versus back-to-back. In Avodah Hashem, it's the same thing. Throughout the Bechina of the six days of the week, as I said, it's a Bechina, but the Bechina of the six days of the week means a year that's experiencing the Rabbani Shloylam, that's learning Torah, doing mitzvahs, it's all that, but it's back-to-back. Which means that we're putting out tefillin every single day. We're learning Torah, we're, we're amassing more and more knowledge, but it's just, but what is it? What is Elikos? What is divinity? Like, what is... What, what is Dveikas? Like, what is Tyra? We're learning about Tyra, but what is Tyra? It's very hard to experience that during the six days of the week. We're all the professors in MIT learning in great detail, in great nuance, in great sophistication, what Yiddishkeit is. But, but to experience a Yiddishkeit, it's very hard during the six days of the week. And as I said, any time a Jew does experience, really experience Yiddishkeit during the six days of the week, it's a taste of Shabbos. It's a Shabbos the Ki'inyan that somehow made its way into your life during the six days of the week, but it's a Shabbos the Ki'inyan. The six days of the week means back-to-back. This is why the six days of the week and, and back-to-back is connected with Tishkach, with forgetfulness. You see, as long as you, until you've experienced it, while the tomato plant is still just a formula in your head and just numbers, it's easily forgotten. But experiences that are face-to-face, those are not easily forgotten. Those are memorable experiences. Zachar is yoyim ha-Shabbos l'Katshe. Shabbos means, what, what is Shabbos? Shabbos is not anything new. Shabbos is the Yiddishkeit of the six days of the week in face-to-face form. Shabbos is that we're able to finally experience, oh, that's who God is. That's, what I, that's, what I, that's who I've been talking to all those days. That's what I've been trying to find within myself. That's who I am. That's who my family is. That's the difference. During the six days of the week, we're back-to-back with Hashem, we're back-to-back with ourselves, we're back-to-back with, with our families. We're back-to-back with Amuna. we're back-to-back with Tyra, we're back-to-back with Davening. And Shabbos means finally turning around and being face-to-face. Being able to Daven and experience this is what Davening is. And Rahman al-Atzlan, a Yid who's on Shabbos, Davening, still back-to-back. Then that's not Shabbos. That's not the Tefillah of Shabbos. That's the Tefillah of the six days of the week. It happens to be on a Saturday. The davening of Shabbos has to be a davening of face to face. A davening that that it's that the words are alive. The experience is alive. It's not just a formula. You're you're tasting the soil. You feel it in your hands. This is what a tomato plant feels like. Baruch Shamar is a living work. It's a living experience on Shabbos. Nishmas is a living experience. Shmanesrei creates a Torah davening singing. It's a different nigan on Shabbos. It's a different inyan. It's, it's, everything is alive on Shabbos. Everything is alive on Shabbos. And that's the difference. That's why Shabbos is Zohar. 
those experiences are memorable by the very definition because they, 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 they get into a person's system. You're seeing it face to face. Whereas the six days a week means back to back. So that's Shabbos, that's the Mishkan. So when a person walked into the Mishkan, what happened when you walked into the Mishkan? What happened when you walked into the Beis HaMikdash? What did you see? Obviously you saw the physical building, but what you saw was the entire Yiddishkeit that you've been living until that moment, you finally saw it face to face. That's what the Beis HaMikdash was. It was a place that you could enter, and it was Shabbos squared. It was, it, it was Shabbos. It was a time where everything that you learned about in Yeshiva came to life. Not coming to life because now, oh, you talk to see how the kind does it. And you learned about how the kind did it. Much more than that. What, in, in the Beis HaMikdash, your tzitzis came to life. Your tefillin came to life. Your kashras came to life. Your love for your spouse came to life. Your love for your children, your love for your people, the love for your land. Everything came to life. Everything moved from back to back to face to face. That's what the Shabbos is. That's what the, that's what the Beis HaMikdash is. This is why, going back, as I said in the beginning, these two mitzvahs have to be given over to the Jewish people face to face from Moshe Rabbeinu. You can't hear it from someone who heard it from someone who eventually heard it from Moshe Rabbeinu. That's, that's the opposite of what Shabbos is. The opposite of Beis HaMikdash is. The essence of Shabbos and Beis HaMikdash is receiving it face to face from Moshe. Face to face. And so of course these misses have to be given in the presence of Moshe Rabbeinu. You can't hear it back to back. You can't hear it. Eventually when it gets to you, it can't just be a formula. You have to experience it viscerally. Moshe Rabbeinu has to see you. You have to see his eyes when he says it to you. Yismach Moshe When the Jewish people received it properly, Vayetsu melifne Moshe. The experience was Ponim, was the face of Moshe Rabbeinu. And now that you experience that, you, now, now you have it. Now you have it and you could go home and experience it on your own. But you have to have it, you have to receive it from Moshe. This is why by the tzaddik and by the chassidim, it was always an Indian of going to a tzaddik on Shabbos. Why? I mean, it's a, it's a good thing to go to a tzaddik during the six days a week too, but specifically on Shabbos. Because the whole inner of Shabbos is face to face. So you can learn about tzaddikim and learn... Everything in the six days a week is about something. It's about the tzaddik, it's about Torah, it's about the Rabbani Shalom. But on Shabbos, it, you're, you're seeing the tzaddik, you're seeing the Rabbani, you're seeing Torah. And everything is about his kashras, it's about friends coming together, being able to have conversations, be able to speak to each other face to face, without distractions. That's what Shabbos is, that's what the Mishkan is. Okay, so this is a beautiful thing. So now the next question is, okay, that sounds good. How do I move from back to back to face to face? That, that's the next step. I mean, you could just sit back and wait for Shabbos to come, but we all know that Shabbos, even though we don't have to create Shabbos, Shabbos comes to us, but we have to receive Shabbos. So what could we do to properly receive this experience of face-to-face, of allowing ourselves to transition with uh, sunset, you know, Friday night, to transition from back-to-back to face-to-face? How do you do that? So we have to go back to the Kisferi, and we have to understand what the Rizal reveals to us in how... Admin Chava, how, how does one move from back to back to face to face? So the Rizal says an amazing thing. The Rizal says that if you think about it, let's go back to Admin Chava for a second, because that's the classic Marshall. The Rizal said that when they were in a state of back to back, if you think about it, what was missing in their lives was not the, the, the front side of their bodies. Both front side, both Panim sides of their bodies were completely intact, were completely full and, 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 and good to go. The, the, the front side of Adam was fully developed, the front side of Chav was fully developed. If you think about it, what was underdeveloped, and this is what was keeping them back to back, 
What was underdeveloped is actually the, ba- the, 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 the backside of Adon Chava. Because both of them, in a state of back-to-back, it wasn't like they were two separate people just like glued together. They shared the same achar. They shared the same spine. They shared the same backbone. They shared the same, the same back. And that one back, that one achar, had two panims to it. And so said the Rizal, ironically, in truth, in order to move from back to back to face to face, one does not need to develop the panim. You do not need to develop the front side, because the front side was already developed, even in a state of achar bachar. What needs to be developed, in fact, is the achar side. Is the achar side. Because instead of having one back with two faces, what you need are two backs with two faces. Now that you can... Because you, until now, if you think, in other words, until now, Adam and Chav are sharing one back, and so that means that, Achar, that Adam really has half a back, and Chava has half a back. So the real Avaida that needs to be done, and the surgery that needs to happen, is not just cutting them in half, but filling in each back, that each back, instead of being half a back, it should be a full back. And now, you can move face to face. What does that mean in Avaida Hashem? This is why the Rizal said that very often to transition from back to back to face to face, the Avaida is to develop the Achar, not the Panim. The Panim is already taken care of. The Avaida is to develop the Achar. What does that mean? What does that look like? So this is where something that we find in, in specifically the Musr Svarim, and, when we, and I'm sure we've all heard this, uh, you know, from Shmuzin, uh, from Ashkichem, and, you know, th- and stuff like that, but now we're going to be introduced, maybe, maybe you know, hopefully, by Hashem, to the Panimius of what this Indian is. I'll uh, give an example. You know, when, uh, the great, one of the greatest moments in, in the entire year of face-to-face is obviously every Shabbos, true, but there's one day of the year which is called Shabbos Shabbosim. The Shabbos of all Shabbos is that's Yom Kippur. And within Yom Kippur, the height of Yom Kippur comes, as we know, with Ne'ilah. And Ne'ilah means mamish face-to-face. Ne'ilah means that you're in the Kaddish HaKadshim, you're in the Aron, your mom is holding you by the arm. The kruvim are facing each other face to face, and you say the words Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokim, and 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 the experience of of that moment is zachar. It's remembered. It's etched into your soul. You remember it. So what's amazing is the 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 Bali Muslim and have pointed out is that right before Ni'ila, at the end of Mincha, so we have laning. Right? There's laning by Mincha. So what do we lane? So we lane the parsha of Arias. Arias. He's talking about Mamish, the lowest in Yonim, the lowest in Yonim. So all the tzaddikim ask, that's what you're going to talk about before Ni'ilah? Ni'ilah is face to face. Talk about Devekas, talk about Elokos, talk about divinity, talk about infinity, talk about Yichud. You're talking about Arias? The answer is that's exactly the point. In order for a person to be Zaychid to face to face, what you have to develop is not your skills of face. Every Neshama has the capability of experiencing Elokos in a real way. We're born with that. The front side of our neshama is already made. What our avayda is to develop is the is the is the back is the achar. What does the achar mean? The achar means certain places that I am making a hachlot. I'm making an absolute firm decision. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I am trustworthy by Hashem. I am not going to that place. It's davka before ni'ilah where you're experiencing the greatest panim b'panim. You see, let's put it this way. If the Rabbana Shalom is willing to make eye contact with you, he has to be certain that while you're making eye contact with him, one of your eyes is not, God forbid, moving away and looking at something else. The Rabbana Shalom has to make sure 
that your back is solid and firm. What does that mean? It means that the Rabbanu Shalom trusts you, that no matter what the experience you're having right now, you're not going to allow yourself, God forbid, on a bad day, to go to a low place. You see, Maish Rabbeinu was Zaycha to have an experience of face-to-face with Hashem like no other person in the history of the world. Why? Because Hashem said about Maish Rabbeinu, Bakol Beisi Nemanhu. Maish Rabbeinu is, I trust Him. What does it mean, trusting? Trusting means that Maish Rabbeinu would be able to say, no matter what, where I'm holding, no matter what I'm feeling, no matter what the Madragas I'm experiencing, the Rabbanu Shalom can trust me that my eyes are fixed on Him. I am not wandering my gaze anywhere else. I'm not going to allow my, any part of me to sink to a low place. And so the development of an acharayim, the development of, of, of the back, means the nemonis, the trustworthiness of the Jew, of the Jewish soul being able to say, I am not crossing that line. The da- and dafka before ni'ila, that's when we're mechazik ourselves, that we're mechabalin ourselves, we're not going to fall into that low place of arise. Because as long as there is a level of possibility of, our, of our, ourselves falling to that low place, that that means the Rabbanu is not willing to have a face-to-face conversation with us because he can't, he wants to be able to ensure that our, that our eyes will always remain fixated on him and if there's a part of us which, is, which can be drawn to such a low place, then that means the Akhar is not fully developed. The Akhar is not fully developed. Like the Rizal, in the language of the Rizal, he describes it in such a way where the Klippas and the Sitra Akhra, they can't draw their energy, they can't attach themselves to a person on, on the front side, on the face side. But they can attach themselves to the back of someone. And as long as the back is susceptible to, to being attacked by the other side, as long as it's susceptible to being, to being attached to the other side, then the back has to be has to be merged, has to be uh, connected with Chava's back to make sure that there's no back that's exposed. Like the muscle that he gives is when you have two people that are surrounded by enemies and they're in a vulnerable situation, then they stand back to back to each other to make sure that there's no point of vulner- vulnerability. So the result is the same thing. The back is vulnerable. And if the back is underdeveloped, then you have no choice but to be but to remain back to back with each other to make sure that there's no vulnerable spots. But, the great, but allow, to allow yourself to be face to face means that even your back is strong, that your back is strong, that you're able to make those hachlotas and those decisions of no matter what, I won't go there. No matter what, I'm not going to allow the Sahara to connect itself to my back. My back is solid and strong. It's fully developed. In other words, the, full, the, the development of the acharaim, the development of one's, of, one's, of one's back, in order to allow themselves to have a face-to-face means a, 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 a development of one's self-control, a development of one's ability to say, no matter what, those are things I do not do. To divide, to make a mechitza shabarazel, to make a wall of iron separating you from the side of impurity. As long at, at, to the extent that you that we can develop within ourselves that that iron curtain, that iron wall separating us from everything that's low, that's cool developing a healthy back, and to that extent we can have eye contact with Hashem face to face. But as long as the back is weak, as long as the back is underdeveloped, 
which means that the it's not an iron gate, it's not an iron wall. It's vulnerable for the other side to attach itself to our, to, to our back. Then that means the back can't be exposed. And the back not being exposed means that it becomes it becomes uh, enmeshed and wedged in the in in Chava's back, and then we're we're back to back with Hashem. But the ability to be face to face means that you have to be confident, and the Rebbeinu has to be confident that even if your back is exposed, it's like an iron wall and an iron gate. Nothing is coming in contact with it. It's it's absolutely firm in its rigidity, and it's creating that mechitza, that separation between you and the other side. And then it's and then you can have an experience face to face. This was the problem with the sin of the golden calf. See, the sin of the golden calf wasn't simply a big aver, although it was. But the sin of the golden calf exposed an inner weakness of the Jewish people. The Klai Yisrael experienced Yitzhak Mitzrayim, and they were mamash on a high. Mamash on a high. And they were going 49 days of Sirius Aimer, Harsinai, Nasavanishma, it's all Gavaldic. But they were not realizing that ultimately, with all that excitement and all the special effects and all the great alias and Hisragshas and Hisraimimus that that entire Tekufa brought with it, they did not realize that they were still, they were still a part of themselves. They were still capable of the Chet Egel. They had an underdeveloped back. You understand? An underdeveloped back. Before they got to Ni'il on Yom Kippur, they were not reminding themselves of, I have to make sure that no matter what happens in my life, I'm making a decision, I don't go to Arayas. Means what, I'm, not a go, I'm, I'm creating within myself a, a, an absolute red line in the sand that says, I do not cross over those areas. Because they're thinking to themselves, why would I ever have to work on such a thing? To be myself that I won't serve by the Zara? I'm so far from it. I've seen Kriyas Yamsev. All the questions that we ask of how could it possibly be that they sinned with, with the Chet Egel after all their experiences, that's what they were thinking. That's what they were thinking. That's why they weren't on guard. They weren't protecting themselves from the Chet Egel because they were thinking it's impossible for us to go to such a place. But that's, the, that's what the Chet Egel exposed. The Chet Egel exposed an underdeveloped back. And therefore the Indian of the Mishkan, let's go back. The meaning of the Mishkan, which means going face-to-face with Hashem, means ultimately, how do you get to face-to-face? You don't have to go face-to-face. You'll get face-to-face automatically. The best thing you can do is what? Is to prove to yourself and prove to Hashem that He can trust you. That you have a healthy, strong backbone. A strong backbone. And no matter what happens, you, you show Hashem and you prove to Hashem during the six days of the week, and you prove to Hashem, there are certain things that even if I want to, and even if I'm tempted, and even if it, uh, I have no amuna today, I won't go to that place, you can trust me. And Hashem says, ah, oh, you have the nemonis of Moshe Rabbeinu, you have the backbone of Moshe Rabbeinu, now I'll allow myself to speak to you face to face. Chazal say that when the Rabbanu Shalom was speaking to the Jewish people face to face by Har Sinai, one of the, the left eye of the Jewish people was already straying and looking at the eagle. What does that mean? The eagle wasn't, uh, wasn't around when the, when, when the Aserzah Dibris were happening. What does it mean that the left eye of the Jewish people was already looking at the eagle? It means this Indian. It means there was a lacking in the development of the Achar. They didn't read Parshas Arias before Ni'ilu, you understand? They didn't say to themselves, in the height of their greatness, in the height of their excitement, they weren't reminding themselves of accepting upon themselves Kabbal Salmal HaShemayim. Accepting upon oneself Kabbal Salmal HaShemayim with Tamimus and Pshitas, with absolute simplicity and absolute faithfulness. 
to be able to ensure that all the excitement and all the spiritual ecstasy that comes with face-to-face does not at all take away from the resolve and the firm commitment that one, that one is able to make and that one is able to uphold when all the lights go off. One has to develop a back, a, a strong backbone, and only with that strong, fully developed back can there be an experience of face-to-face. This is the site of Shamar. Zohar means face-to-face. Zohar means an unbelievable experience of panim b'panim, of eye contact with Hashem. But the only way to experience Zohar is if the Rabbani Shalom is confident in you that you have, to that extent, a healthy Shamar. Shamar means a healthy backbone. Shamar means be on guard, to protect, to protect, to draw those lines in the sand and say, you know what, no matter what happens in my life, I'm a Kabbal on myself. I say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Hashem Echad, and I'm a Kabbal on myself, those are things I don't do no matter what. And those are the ways in which a person develops a good Shamar. With a Shamar, you can have a Zachar. And this is why Davka Shabbos Day, as I mentioned, where it's the Indian of Zachar, it's Yismach Moshe Manetz Chalk, it's Pel, Pel Dabrabai. Davka there we mentioned Vishamru. Why? Because only with a Shamar can a person have a Zachar. And this is why, and this is why with the Mishkan, the whole Indian of the Mishkan is revolving around, as I said, the Chet Egel. Because in order to have Mishkan, which is face to face, you have to acknowledge the Avaida of developing a good backbone and not to dilute oneself into thinking, now nah, that's something I can never, I can never fall into. No, even if, you, even if it's not true that you'll never make that mistake, and, you, and, and most likely you'll never go into that low place. But be macabre on yourself, you're not going to do it. Like every single, you know, for the most part, again, you never know, you know, you know, the people I'm speaking to right now, you know, you never know what the recording who I'm speaking to, but the ones that I'm speaking to right now, as Hashem, we don't have such nesionists about going to McDonald's and going to Burger King or, or going to the store and buying like, um, you know, pork or whatever. So, okay, so that, but, but, so, okay, that's just, so we don't, we don't even think about it, it's just not any sign. But, but no, we can, yeah, we have to turn those, those mitzvahs also into developing an achar. What's wrong with, with a Jew having in mind once in a while and be macabre on themselves and no matter what, they're always going to eat kosher. Always eat kosher. I was raised with kashras. I never put anything not kosher in my life. I don't have any reason to do that. I would never do it unless it's like life-threatening and then I have to. But the answer is by being macabre on yourself, these inyanim, inyanim that you never will fall into. It was never hava meaning that you're going to eat a crab. So why, why, why be macabre on yourself you're not going to eat crab? The answer is because the avoid of being macabre on yourself not to do something that you're never going to do anyway is the avoid of developing an achar, it's developing a backbone. And to that extent, you could have Shabbos. And so you think like uh, you want to have a school, everyone likes schoolers. So based on this, let's come up with a school. A person wants to have a good Shabbos, then during the six days of the week or as we lead to Shabbos or in Shabbos itself, to, to say Kriyashima and be macabre on yourself the inyanim that you're not going to do anyway, but be macabre, I'm not going to do them. And inyanim that you know you're maybe a little bit more susceptible to, to be macabre not to do it, or at least to daven to Hashem, to have the strength to be macabre on yourself not to do it, to come up with eights about how to draw that red line, where those lines, where those lines should be drawn. Then you're developing an achar. You develop an achar, then you can have a panam upon automatically. This is why Shab, Mishkan requires focusing on Chet Egel, on reminding oneself of without the development of the Achar, what's, what's possible. And let's understand, it's not just because there's an inherent flow with a person that, you can, that we can fall to a low place without working on developing a backbone. 
when you're an experiencing face-to-face, that comes with a tremendous amount of energy. And that energy, if the back of a person is still connected to low places, that that energy is siphoned off. And a person is growing and experiencing his Slavis and his Cyrus, but get, guess who else is also growing from that experience? The Eight Sahara too. Right, so the, the, in order to experience, in order for the, to allow the Rebbeinu to give you energy, spiritual energy, he has to make we ha- he, the Rebbeinu has to be confident that that energy is only going to be developing your neshama and not your yitzhara. So the more we can create an achar, a backbone, separating ourselves from our yitzharas, then the more the Rebbeinu is going to be willing to shower us with power and life and and. And 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 uh, energy, divine energy, in a way of face to face, because he's sure that it's not siphoning off at the same time, energizing the eight Sahara. So a person wonders, he had an amazing Shabbos, and then all of a sudden Saturday night things take a nosedive. Why? The answer is because when you were having, you were having an amazing Shabbos, and having a bad matzah Shabbos doesn't mean that the Shabbos wasn't real. Adarava. The Shabbos was very real, and the chiyas and the energy that you received on Shabbos was extremely real. But guess what? That same energy was also building your Yitzhahara. So on Shabbos, the Yitzhahara is quiet because it doesn't have that much chutzpah to get a person to do something really terrible on Shabbos. But when Shabbos is over, then that same energy that's been building up all of Shabbos, now the Yitzhahara has access to. But the answer is to develop an achar. The more of an achar we can have, the more automatically the panim b'panim will remain intact, will remain holy, and it won't be siphoned off to anywhere else, and the Rabbanu can trust to have eye contact with us, because he's sure that the left eye is not string looking at the eagle at the same time. This is also why this is also why the Mishkan had to be built, Davka, between the tribes of Yehuda and Don, right? Remember? Yehuda and Don. Why? Yehuda means face. Yehuda means the front side. Yehuda means face to face. The Melech, the king, which is coming from Yehuda, is the representative of the people. He speaks to the people on behalf of the people. He is the face of the people, right? He's the face of the people. And that's Yehuda. Don is described as the tribe that's Ma'asef Lachlamachnes. It was the last of the tribes to travel in the desert. Yehuda means the face, and Don means, means the back. And so this is Davka, the Indian of the Mishkan. The Indian of the Mishkan is that you want to have a face-to-face experience, which is Be'ikr Yehuda, and Betzal is the main project manager. But don't forget, in order to have a Betzalel, in order to have a Yehuda, in order to have face-to-face, the Ikr Avoida is to develop a back, is to develop that backbone, to develop that, that, that ultimate Nemonis, which is defined by the tribe of Don. Davka, when you have a Don, then you can have a Yehuda. And this is all the Indian of Purim. The whole line of Purim is like this. You know, Purim is a time of everything is v'nahapechu, right? We all understand that. Purim is v'nahapechu. Everything that's the, that's, the, that's the tragedy of Purim itself becomes, its own remedy becomes the tikkun. So let's understand this. We know that part of the Indian of Purim is what? Is preparing the Jewish people, allowing ourselves to have the second base of Mignosh, right? As I mentioned this many times, that uh, that Aseris uh, Bnei Haman were hanged. Why? Because they were the ones to stop the, sec- the rebuilding the second base Hamikdash. Esther and Achashverosh ultimately have a child, which gives permission to rebuild the second base Hamikdash. Achashverosh's hatred to the Jewish people was mostly focused on the base Hamikdash. So it's all base Hamikdash oriented, and in a certain sense, therefore, the Indian of Purim is celebrating the Jewish people's ability to what to. To have a face-to-face relationship with God in Beis Hamikdash. That's what the Beis Hamikdash is. As I said, with the Mishkan Shabbos, it's all Beis Hamikdash, and that's why the 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 the, the Purim story really begins when Vashti is killed on Shabbos, right, on the seventh day of the meal, which was Shabbos. So Shabbos, which is face-to-face, 
that's where Purim, the whole of Purim is revolving around, allowing us to have Beis Hamikdash, which is face to face. But yet, part of the Indian of Purim and getting us to that place of allow, of having Esther, of having uh, the second Beis Hamikdash, was through the decree of Haman, which was to kill the Jewish people. So how does that gezeira of Lahash Malar Abed? How does that fit in this context? The answer is that everything until now we've been talking about on a personal level, like your backbone, your, your spine, your, your, you know, not going anywhere. This is the line, the line in the sand that you personally draw, the separation that you're making between you and the other side. But, you know, on a national level, the same thing is true as well. In order for the nation of the Jewish people to have a face-to-face with God, there has to be an absolute division between us and the nations of the world. The Jewish people have to be able to look at themselves and say, we are not like them. We are not the same as them. We are not the same species as them. To the extent that there is a backbone, that there's a, a healthy achar that's developed between b- 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 separating us and the nations of the world, to that extent, we can have a face-to-face with God. Who helps us develop a backbone? Who helps us develop on a national stage, on a national level, that sense of division between us and the nations of the world? Haman himself. Haman himself. The whole Indian of Haman is a what? Is that he cannot stand the Jewish people. Not their religiosity. He can't, it's not that he can't stand religious Jews. It's not that he can't stand anything particularly, you know, uh, uh, you know the culture of the Jew. He can't stand the essence of a Jew. He can't stand the Jew. Why? Because Haman means a Jew is not the same as a guy. And we all know this from the time that we were kids, right? That everyone knows our Sameach, that when the Jewish people fall into a place where they start getting too comfortable in the nations of the world, that Hashem sends the Goyim to remind us how we're not like them. And we all heard that, and we all learned that in a, in a, in a, little, in a little bit of a, of a superficial way, which is that Hashem needs us to remember that we're not like the Goyim, we shouldn't live like them, so He uses the Goyim to remind us of that. But in a much deeper sense, that's building Geulah. That's building Ka'ula. The, the entire essence of this Golas is all one continuous move towards fa- the ultimate face-to-face with the Rabbani Shalom, with the third base of Megdash. And therefore the whole essence of this, of this Golas really is primarily not about developing face, because that's already taken care of, like Adam and Chava. It's developing Ocher, it's developing that backbone. And one of the greatest tools that the Rabbani Shalom has in order to, on a national level, for this backbone to be developed, this sense of separation, is with the Goyim themselves reminding us that we're not them. And so let, let, let's understand, for the, therefore, v'nahapechu, the Gezer of Haman, Lahashma, and Lahar Abed was itself the most important ingredient necessary to rebuild the second base of Mignesh, which is what he was trying to avoid. We see the whole thing is v'nahapechu. The Gezer of Haman itself becomes the greatest weapon that we have to actually rebuild the second base of Mignesh and get us to higher places. And this is going back why the Mishkan, as I mentioned, every single part of the Mishkan is all is being described based on its gavul, based on its boundaries, based on its borders. Of it's only this long, it's only this wide, it's only this high. And the question is, we asked before, the Mishkan is all about infinity. Everything should be described in an infinite terms. Why is the only description of the Mishkan and all of its kalim so specific and so finite? But the answer is that's the point. In order to experience face to face which really cannot be described, but the way to experience face-to-face is dafka by developing gvulim, is dafka by developing the back, which is finite, specific. When you have every vessel with its finite measure of adkan, it goes here and not a, not a centimeter more, that's called developing an ochr. When there's an ochr in place, then you can have panim upon him. This is why it's an amazing thing. We'll just end with this very quickly because it's part of a larger sugya, but the one vessel that 
the, that its measurements are not described is the kiyar, the basin, in which the kahana would wash their hands and feet, preparing themselves for entering into and to work in the Mishkan. And what's interesting is, is that the kiyar was made with mirrors that the women in Mitzrayim used to make themselves look beautiful, to have intimate relationships with their husbands to produce more yidin. And so that's an amazing thing, that the one object which is all about face-to-face, meaning every other object in the Mishkan is described, is describing us the avayda of achar, of building a backbone, in order to allow us to then experience face-to-face. But the one vessel which is describing face-to-face, which its essence is face-to-face, is the kiyar. Therefore, it doesn't have to give us the dimensions. The dimensions is... Is the is the is the way in which you could then experience Hashem face to face. Now the fact that the washing, that the using of the kir was the introduction to the base of Migdash, was not after the Avaida, it was before the Avaida, is also connected to the Shabbos of Saif Maisa Machshavat Khila. From the very beginning of one's Avaida, one has to know what the Tachlis is. The Tachlis is face to face. That's the Tachlis. Don't get go, don't get lost in drawing red lines. The tachlis is not drawing red lines. The tachlis is face-to-face. The kiyar, which is the first thing that the kanim do to introduce themselves to the base of Migdash is is kulay face-to-face. It's all face-to-face. And that reminds them of what their tachlis is. And now that you want face-to-face, you want Shabbos, so now have a good, have good acharaim, have good backbone. Good backbone, good nemanis, good faithfulness. And then you'll be able to experience that face-to-face in a much more profound and real way. Hashem should help us. We should be zaych as we come close to Purim. Should be zaych van hapechu. All the gzeris and all the difficulties we find in the world should be shown to be mamish the opposite, not not things holding us back, but I think things actually bring us close. Should be zaych to experience that. Befrat to bechlal v'yaskal tzedek mehir v'meinu amen.